long-term housing would be in the Greensboro area. And right up the road, uh, we would walk uh, at times, and we would end up walking uh, through Guilford Elementary School, the parking lot and the greenway next door. My daughter and uh, a son went to school here uh, as well. And there was a time where we walked, and it just clicked. We looked and said, you know what? That is a church. That really could be a good church setup. We were at a, a place in the warehouse where the, the lease in the warehouse did not make sense. The kids' space did not make sense for us up and down the hallway. And the opportunity to rearrange or to expand uh, really did not work very well uh, in that space and area. We also had a, uh, if you were with us then, you remember we had a, uh, how do we say it? We had a very encroaching neighbor uh, in their used car business. And so it was... It made life a little difficult on Sunday mornings when we might show up and there was a, a, a semi-tractor trailer of cars across the parking lot. And, um, and then when, we, when the board finally said, yeah, let's, let's really talk about this move, uh, this, is, this is where the Lord opened up. Um, if you remember the journey, we spoke with the principal, and the principal said, look, I'm retiring. I have no interest in starting anything new. And we said, okay, thanks. And we were, we were out of here. We talked to an, a couple other schools, and it just seemed like the configuration of the school, how it was set up, was very weird. You'd walk, you know, several hundred yards back to the back of the school where. And then I got a call from the new principal here, uh, a note that was in her desk, and she said, "Are you still looking for a school? I would really like to have a church in my school." And uh, I was, I think, I was up here in about ten minutes, and we we met and walked through, and the Lord opened up the door. And so from there, we, we've transitioned here. And today, uh, that's it. Uh, four and a half years, or nearly four and a half years, and we'll say our, our goodbye to this, this building. Can I just tell you what I've learned really strongly? I knew it before, but I've never been in this type of position for it, so it's been honed. Um, God wants to grow his people anywhere. Uh, and it's about God's people doing the work of God's kingdom. It doesn't matter if it's in a gym like this where they're set up and tear down every week, and there has been for four and a half years. Um, it doesn't matter if you meet outdoor in a park. Do you know that there's a wonderful Wesleyan church, one of our partner churches, that when the weather's right, uh, which is about seven months of the year for them, they meet outside in a park all year long uh, in a college community. It doesn't matter where you're at. The Lord will bless and grow if the people of God make the priority of their gathering the things of God. The kingdom of God being the priority. And so for four and a half years, I've been very proud of you. Um, you're not sitting in the most comfortable chairs. I, I, was, I sat in our new—well, there are old chairs. There will be new chairs to some of you. I sat in them yesterday, and I immediately went into lounge mode. So it was like automatic. Um, that doesn't happen in these chairs. I understand. Um, but being about the work of the kingdom has still been our focus. And so I appreciate that uh, in you, and I'm proud of you. Uh, in that as well. And I've learned even stronger in a senior pastor role in this that if, if God's people want to be about God's business, um, God will bless and go. And he'll bless and make it happen. So, uh, so we continue on uh, with that. So it's been a, a great journey here. But we're moving on, and there's this, there's this great passage that was an impact to me, and I want to tell you why it was an impact to me. See, I, I became a Christian when I was about 15 years old. I was, uh, or maybe 14, I was a freshman in high school. I've told you the story of my testimony before, um, but there was a youth pastor who was kind of uh, influential in building into me, and I went to this thing. He took me to this thing called the Fellowship of the Called. It's a Wesleyan event that they do uh, every year. Fellowship of the Called, they do an East Coast, West Coast thing. And it's for young people to go. And it's FOTC is what, it, what we called it. 
And in that, they would just basically talk about a call to ministry. And we would ask ourselves, has the Lord called us to full-time vocational ministry? That was the fellowship of the called. Now, we're all called, so don't get hung up on that word called. Uh, You're called just the same as I'm called. It's just that some of you are called to be teachers as ministers, and I'm called to be a pastor uh, as a minister. So this happened to be for those of us called to be a pastor. And they did this exercise um, where they had us stand up. It was about 50 of us or so. This is after uh, teachings for a few days. It's the end of the week. And they had us stand up, and they asked us to close our eyes. No, I'm sorry. We weren't stood up yet. We were sitting down. They asked us to close our eyes first. And then they said, here are some key components of God's kingdom that you'll forever be a part of if you go into pastoral ministry. And you'll forever be a part of kind of inspiring and challenged people to be a part of. And there was these five words that, and what they wanted us to do was with our eyes closed, they read through the five words, then went back through the five words. The second time through, they asked us to stand on the word that most resonated with us. Didn't mean we didn't agree with the other four. We agreed with all of them. But the one that just most just did something within us, just, just kind of grabbed and tugged on our heart the deepest. And that word for me, as I stood, was the word evangelism. And we had had messages on all these words prior, so it wasn't a mystery what words they were going to read. And evangelism was the one that hit me the hardest. Here's the funny thing. When I opened my eyes of all the, the pastors, the future pastors, these teenagers, uh, there's about 50 of us or so, two of us were standing for evangelism, just, just a couple of us uh, that were standing um, And I learned something over the course of the years as I look back on the two out of 50. Um, Evangelism is hard. Reaching people for Jesus Christ is is hard. That we live in a a world where we have a segment of people who want, want to have nothing to do with God and Jesus Christ. But the greater number of people that I meet have no problem with God and Jesus. They just haven't prioritized him in their life. And so they just kind of keep living their life Uh, kind of on their own terms and on their own way, missing out on the life that God has to offer, but yet not really having any angst to God. I would guess that many of you who have come to know Jesus Christ probably fit into that camp. Before you were a Christian, you would say, that more describes me. That's who I was. Maybe a handful of you that were like, man, I was so against God. But that word resonated me so much. Here is the passage that they spoke on when they talked about evangelism. I want to just read it to you. I want to just hit a couple parts, uh, segments, a couple words that are in there, uh, and then we'll kind of be done this morning. John, uh, excuse me, Luke chapter 14, verse 12. Luke is writing now. Remember, we've been in John for weeks and weeks now, but this is Luke writing. He's a physician. He's writing a very orderly account. He, remember, if John is scattered, Luke is more of the historian. He's, he's numbering these things in order. Here's what he says, this story. Uh, Then he turned to the host. Oh, excuse me. Let me skip forward. I'll come back to that one. Verse 15. Hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, What a blessing it would be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guest, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and I must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've brought five pairs of oxen. I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. 
The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, Go quickly into the streets and alleys of the towns and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, Still there is room for more. So his master said, Go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come in so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet." Now, this is a story Jesus is sharing. It's a parable, and a parable often has uh, kind of one key teaching point that it's trying to share, but the parable is, is often better understood when we understand the kind of the context and what's going on in Jesus' time, so we know why Jesus is saying what he's saying. Here, he's talking about this man who throws a feast. You ever put on a party, birthday party, event? And you've carefully probably walked through your invitations. Now, Facebook has made it much easier on the invitations because you just hit, you know, invite, all friends, boom, done, I'm out. You know, even if the ones from like Wyoming get invited to it, you're like, it's just easier to hit that one button. But think about the times when you actually write out the invitations and you sit and you walk through all the invites, your weddings, your baby showers, all these type of birthday parties, all these kind of things. And when you're working through it, uh, you're working through it, inviting people that you would want to be there and you would expect could be there. Now, if we were all honest, we've all walked through times when it comes closer to the event and we start to, start to list the people in our head that we know will not be there. They're not going to be there. And it's, it's hard sometimes, right, to walk through that. It's hard to face that, that, some, that I gave an invite and somebody chose not to come. Now, I would guess that you have never seen or you've never received a response from one of those invites where somebody said, hey, thanks so much for the invite, but I just don't want to come. Oh, we never get like responses that way. You know, like, hey, I just, I just, you know, we're just not very close. So um, I don't want to come spend hours at your party. We usually get uh, people say, I can't gum for, and we'll get a various reason why. That's all that's going on in this story. That Jesus is saying, this guy sent out invites here. And those that he sent invites to started to make excuses. These are pretty good excuses, I think, in Jesus' day. You know, I bought a, a field. I got to go inspect it. I got to go check on the field. I don't know what inspecting a field does, but, uh, you know, it must have been some, some significant time. Another says, you know, I've just bought five pair of oxen. I mean, who would not want to try out their oxen if they bought five pair of oxen? I mean, that's a week or two worth of fun right there. So he's, he's going. And the other guy other says, I have a wife, so I can't come. I, apparently he's a newlywed. We get it, newlyweds, all right? You don't need to share any more on why you can't be there. But uh, they all seem like fairly legitimate excuses here. The surprise in the story is the response now of the master who invites. The scripture actually tells us the master was furious. Furious. Have you ever been furious when you invite and people don't come? Maybe you have. Usually I think we kind of understand. We just, we're disappointed. It's unfortunate. He's furious. That's a surprise expression to me. A surprise emotion um, from him here. But this is the story Jesus is saying. So, because they won't come, just go invite some more people. In fact, find all the disenfranchised. Anybody who would like never be invited to these parties, just go invite them. And that's exactly what the servant did. And we find out that there's still room at the end of the day. This has got to be a pretty massive banquet hall 
there's still room. He says, all right, fine, here's what you're going to do. Every person that has breath, anybody like that's out there and is alive, get out there, beat the bushes anywhere. Some of your translations say search the highways and byways. You know, if I said, look, get out on the 40 freeway right now and just find whoever you can find. That's what he's telling his servant. So why? So my house will be full. Then he comes back and we get this emotion again where he says, none of the people who were invited first will ever see my kingdom. That's pretty powerful. Like you saying, I will never invite that person again to a party I ever host or event I'm part of. This is pretty strong. So what's really going on? I I learned a few things in this story. If you look through it, one thing I learned is Jesus is always, or God is always inviting. It's always. When I read his gospels, when I read about Jesus, that he's always inviting, always inviting. We've been talking about inviting somebody into a relationship with God, somebody who doesn't know God, and Jesus is always ushering that invitation. In fact, John is about that in his gospel that we've been studying, the Son of God, so that you might believe in him. That's his focus, his inviting it. And we find that God is always inviting people, inviting people to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, remember, the kingdom of God is not uh, kind of that country small church mentality you have sometimes where it's just heaven eternal one day. One day we'll go to heaven and we'll get to experience the kingdom. The Bible shows a completely different view. In fact, every Jewish person in, in the Bible times would understand the kingdom of God begins the moment that you have relationship with God. That's the kingdom of God. It's in and around us everywhere in our encounter with God. So experiencing the kingdom of God should be happening for you right now if you're a believer of God. It's just it gets to extend into eternity outside of a world of sin when we go on uh, from this earth. So that's your understanding here. And Jesus is always, God is always inviting people into that life, into that kingdom. Today, if you're sitting here, God is inviting you probably into something. He might be inviting you out of something. He might be today saying, look, I've got a life I'd like to invite you into. Maybe you know nothing about sacrificing your time to serve others. And God is saying, let me invite you in to the wonderful life of surrendering yourself for other people. It's just so much more rewarding. You know, maybe this morning, like, to, to brighten somebody else's day or to be a blessing to them in any way, it's just not, like, it's just not part of your thinking whatsoever. You know, maybe you're thinking every morning is just your coffee in the parking place, the closest you can get at your job. Uh, and God is saying, well, what if you turned it all into blessing somebody? I'm inviting you into a different way of looking at life. We find that all throughout the gospel. Sometimes he's inviting you out of something. This morning he might be saying to you, look, I'd like to invite you out of that addiction. Like, do you come home and you just, you've got to get through, you know, your alcohol that night before you hit the bed? I'm inviting you out of that. Out of that. Or I'm inviting you out of some other addiction that you might have in your life. Inviting you out of, of poor attitudes or angry speech. I'm inviting you out of it. I mean, really, do you find your most emotion during the day is when you're sitting staring at your um, video game system? Like, that's when you get the loudest and most passionate about something in life. I think God would say, look, I'm calling you out of that. That's like means nothing uh, in life. Sometimes he's calling us into things. Sometimes he's calling us out of things as well. How about deeper things? I mean, really, if you honestly in your head, you would say, I just have some prejudice to, to different people or different socioeconomic groups, and I just have a hard time. I just have a hard time interacting with people because I have these... Pre- 
God would be saying, like, I'm calling you out of that because I've got a better life and a better way. He's always, always inviting us. And you could start every day saying, God, what are you inviting me into today? What are you inviting me out of today? And here we find in this simple story that God is inviting people, inviting people to be part of his kingdom, which is this banquet. Second thing I find here is God, God's heart is, bleeds. It's heavy for the disenfranchised. It's just heavy. We find it all through Scripture. And you have to understand culturally for a second what was going on. If you were poor and lame and, and all of the, the, that was listed here, that also meant you were disconnected from God. I mean, the, the religious leaders who actually saw the way they viewed things would have said, God is not willing to bless you. That's why he's not doing it. He has blessed us because we have resources and we have our health and we have whatever might be uh, on the other side of this list. And so when they looked at the poor and the disenfranchised, God was less pleased, less involved with them than they were with the, with the other group or with us, as they would say. And Jesus just blows this perception out of the water left and right in Scripture. And always we find in Scripture that God's heart bleeds for the disenfranchised, that he cares for the poor, he loves the poor. Even in the Old Testament, we get these stories when a foreigner came into your land, the requirements that the people of Israel had to have and how they cared for foreigners, how they took care of people who were coming through because often the foreigners had no, had no housing, they had no finances, they had no really anything. And they were called to take them in and care for them, love them. We certainly find it in God's, uh, in, in God's Gospels that Jesus constantly cares for the poor. In fact, we find that Jesus himself did not have a stable address. He was floating around. By the Pharisees' uh, definition, he would have been one of these people that was less connected with God. But God's heart always bleeds for the disenfranchised. So he says, look, if the people that I sent the invites to won't come, we'll just invite anyone else that would never be invited. Let's just Let's just invite them all to come, that they might be connected in such a way. Another thing I, I see in this passage, the third thing, is that God wants his passion to be our passion as well. See, in this passage, he says to the, the servants, go in now into the towns and find these folks and bring them in. And then they said, well, hey, we did that. There's still some room left. All right, well, go anywhere you can. Beat any bush, any road. And bring him in so my house will be full here. There's an interesting word, though, that shows up in here. If, you, if you're reading in your scripture, uh, in my translation, it's the New Living Translation. It says to go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone to f- come in. Maybe your translation says compel. It's an interesting word. In fact, it's almost as if Luke is creating a new word here, or at least a new, uh, a, a new parsing of this word uh, that's found. In fact, that's why if you line up several of your, your Bible translations, they all kind of take a stab at a different word because there just doesn't seem to be the perfect word that conveys what is trying to be said. So they've actually gone, Bible scholars have gone to non-biblical texts to try to understand this word, which doesn't show up again in the New Testament, this word that, that is best compel, uh, that we use or urge. Um, and this is, what, this is what the definition basically is. It's to convince with your passion. Understand, 
what we mean there? To convince. So when you compel, like it's convincing someone else with your own passion. That's interesting in this story because it's the servants that are sent out. Seemingly, the servants would not have the same passion to have the master's house full. I mean, they're servants. What do they really care? They're just they're doing their job, right? That's what we would think. But what we find here is what Luke is actually saying is that the transference is that the expectation is the passion of the master to have his house full is to be picked up on by the servant. And the servant's job is then to go convey that passion as if it's their own passion uh, as well, and to convince someone with their passion. It's just an interesting word here and how Luke uses it. I think God works the same way with his folks, with us, that he calls us to be passionate about the things that he is passionate about and to go share them with people so that they might in return be passionate about those things. That's what the master does. He expects his zeal to be shared by his servants. And God wants the same for us. When we think in terms of sharing Jesus with others or sharing God or drawing people into a connection, what God is actually saying is, I want you to carry the same passion that I carry. My same desire to draw my, my creation to my side to have relationship. I want you to carry that same passion and that same energy to go connect with people as well, to draw them into relationship with God. Finally, here, it's a sharp phrase at the end. We learned here that God doesn't have a lot of patience for his believers who aren't into kingdom values. It's a strong, hard word uh, for us as followers. But God is actually saying here that for those who, who seemingly should have kingdom values at the core of who they are, those of us who confess Christ and follow Christ, that it actually bothers and frustrates God when we don't have those kingdom values as well. Now, let me say uh, on this, there are seasons in our life where, uh, where we can come strong in some areas and weaker in other areas, and, and there's, there's seasons of life where God calls us to do something and doesn't call us to do something else. So don't boil this down to whether you're you know, serving at the front door or serving in the kids during this season or you've stepped away for a season. That's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about the core things that are kingdom values to God. You can't read the Gospels and not know to love the poor and the disenfranchised. And if you have no interest in the, in the poor or the disenfranchised uh, in life, that bothers God. I know because I felt for years uh, that's what God was telling me because I had no interest. No interest in the poor or the disenfranchised. I mean, work days, you know what? We do two or three work days a year. Yeah, I mean, that was my time. But day in and day out, God was challenging me for years, and I ignored that. It's a kingdom value. To meet people with love before we meet them with judgment, you can't read the Gospels and not know that's a kingdom value. Does that mean we can disagree? Absolutely disagree with people. You know, you don't have to claim everything they come up with as a valid lifestyle that, that yeah, 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 I mean, the, the Bible is clear on a lot of things. But it also is clear we love before the, we judge. That that's our focus. It's a kingdom value. I could challenge you to just read God's word. You'd come up with your own. You'd finish with a list and you'd go, wow, that's a kingdom value. I need to be a part of that. I need to do that. And this passage is actually letting us know 
God doesn't just shake his head and go, yeah, it's okay, Tom. It's all right. You'll get it someday. It's okay. God says, come on, Tom. Come on, this is what I'm about. This is who I am. This is what I called you out of. I want you to go love people or care for people or whatever it is that the kingdom value is. And so this passage really challenges me because I believe um, one of the strongest kingdom values, strongest kingdom values is what we find in Acts chapter 1 when Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come upon you when you become a believer and you, you're going to be my witnesses. You're the ones that are going to go into all the world and share who I am. You're going to be my witnesses. I'm going to supernaturally empower you to go do it. But you're going to be the one that go, goes and does it. I'm not buying billboards. I'm not going to create a movie studio. Um, there's some of that in the Christian world. It's looking at people and saying, you go do it now. And that's what we're called to do. So that's what we find in this, this passage. So seven years ago, uh, when I came to Windover Hills, uh, do you remember the first Sunday? In fact, how many of you guys were there? The first, do you mind standing up for a second? If you were there that my first Sunday? I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you. I've listened. Yeah. Oh, uh, let's, let's thank them. So that's pretty cool. I didn't. Oh, man. I, I've gone back and listened to that teaching that week. I'm so sorry for you guys that you had to endure that. Ray, Ray actually said on my 40th birthday, um, that, man, we were really nervous that first Sunday. So, but, yeah. There was 41. I want to tell you what so impacted me about Wendover Hills. Why we, were, why we said, we're moving from Chicago down to Green, Greensboro. We didn't know a soul here. Uh, we were so uh, influenced by your desire to grow. I mean, that was, it was 41 people. And I don't know, maybe you just thought, well, 41's not enough. We need some more bodies in here, you know. Um, keep us a little warmer in the winter. I don't know what you were thinking, but... You definitely, you just, you just kind of oozed out that you wanted to grow. That you wanted to see new people come to the church and new people come to Christ. It was a dominant theme. In fact, I didn't even have to ask. I, I started to hear some of your testimonies. I heard Brian's testimony in about the first two weeks. You remember sharing that with me? I remember it. So, um, and right away I'm like, oh, wow, this, this, church is, this church is about reaching people that were once far from God. That was the kind of testimonies I was hearing. I was so impacted by that uh, that we, that's why we came to, to be a pastor here. And we, we've grown. There's more than 41 of you here uh, this morning, and that's good. It's been, it's been wonderful. Um, and I'm challenging you, congregation, that this is another season where one of our passions should be to grow. I think I've had one sermon in seven, almost seven years that I talked, I've talked about numbers. Um, so numbers is not a big value to us. We're not throwing up, a, you know, a, a, a goal board on hit this certain number and we'll have reached it. We don't care about that. But this is a season where I want to challenge you that we're about growth. We're about reaching people for Jesus Christ. We're about seeing new people come to our church and to plug in, to learn about Jesus, and many, many of them surrender their life. Maybe for the first time they've ever really understood what it means to say yes and to surrender their life to Jesus Christ. And it'll take all of us as a kingdom value for every single one of us to be a part of that. That's the invitation that's being thrown out for us to take that and to go and to help people and to invite people Invite people to come, invite people into a conversation about Jesus. The church is an avenue. 
for people to come and learn about Jesus. It's an avenue for people to say yes to him as well. The building is a tool for that avenue as well. And it'll be exciting. It'll be wonderful. But I'm inviting you into again, if you've lost it, or if you're new with us and you've never quite understood that, I'm inviting you back into the passion of growing, the passion of reaching people for Jesus Christ. And so next Sunday morning, we get to to launch into that. Not that uh, you have to start at a new building, but for us, it's a starting point. It's a brand new experience next week for us. And I would love to tell you that everything will be perfectly in place, um, but Already, Pastor Anson and I are panicking about every night when we try to lay down to sleep on what needs to get done the next day. So uh, I can't even guarantee that every spot on the wall will be painted, though um, uh, our painters, I mean, they've been, they've been knocking it out, and it's been a very tight window at different times to get it done. Um, I, I can't guarantee what it'll all look like next week, but I can guarantee you this. We're going to have church. Um, Jesus' name is going to be lifted up. We're going to be able to praise him and honor him, and we're going to be able to be a place that people can be introduced to Jesus and into a Christian community. If you'll grab that passion and you'll run with it, right now, right here, if we'll collectively own that passion as a kingdom value. And then we'll see what the Lord wants to do from there. But I can guarantee uh, that the Lord uh, will, uh, he'll challenge us. It'll be a push, but it'll be glorious. Um, what? So let me pray uh, for you uh, this morning, and then I just want to give a couple details uh, as, we, as we close out our time here. So would you bow and pray with me? Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that I know for myself, I can think back in my life, very, I can't remember the time frame, Lord, it wasn't long after FOTC, sitting in a driveway and praying with my friend Hank and him coming to know you as his Lord and Savior. And Lord, I remember just feeling like I was bumbling, not knowing what I was doing. But Father, I believe you honor a passion for reaching people. And and for sometimes, Lord, even in my life, I've said, I don't know. I don't know if I know the words. I don't know if I know how. And you remind me, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and will empower you. And you'll be my witnesses. And if you are a witness that's a great person to stand up and speak to large crowds, I'll use you that way. If you're a great witness to just sit in a private conversation with one person, I'll use you that way. But I'll use you as long as you're willing to own that kingdom value. And as long as you're willing to compel others in the sense of sharing your passion. So Lord, uh, this morning, help us this week as we launch into a new journey, a new day for us as a church. We pray you would use a building just as a simple tool, but it would be the church that's really doing the work of the kingdom. And so, Lord, help us to own that this week. Lord, thank you for all that you'll do, for the testimonies that are in front of us, and remind us, Lord, to keep honoring those and holding those in front of of us, that we're reminded of your goodness. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to take just a moment uh, as, as we finish up because uh, there has been uh, just so many of you that have been helpful in the four and a half years uh, um, in the setup and the teardown and transitioning here in the first place. Um, a lot of churches move into school and have spent 100000 200000 to outfit, and your board really helped us 
do all this for $29,000, everything that, uh, that we did to get into the building. But it took uh, basically a team to keep it going. Um, though I love showing up first and moving some chairs, there is no way I could, I could pull off the chairs and what you see up here uh, each week without a team. And so I just want to honor a few people that um, there's lots of you that have helped. You've come, some of you came for a short period and kind of dropped off or, or came every once in a while. But there's, some, there's just a group I want to honor that was here just about every single Sunday. They just said, I'll just be there every week. Um, and uh, they have been for a while. And so um, it's always dangerous to walk through names. I'm, I get freaked I'll miss somebody, but I, I think we've got it covered. So let me just share with you. And if you, if you wouldn't mind standing, we just want to honor you for a second. And I know a couple of you, you, you always hate being honored, but deal with it this morning. So, um, and our, our setup team, um, uh, Sandra and Tommy Boer have been, yeah. So, um, Darren and Logan Hester. Oh. Jor- Jordan and Crystal Kohanek. Um, Mike and Leslie Leonard. Uh, 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 Rushi Cruikshank. Yeah. Uh, Freddie and Nick Bowert. Yeah. Ponce and Chang Esquivel. Yeah. How about Lucas and Matilda. Are you in here? All right. I'm Dan and Patty Kidder. Yeah, and Morgan and McKay. You guys in here? Maybe. All right. Thank you so much, guys, for all your help. I've got some other teams I'd like to recognize real quick. Um, in the, uh, there is a lot of setup that goes with it because uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, this is not a stage musical stage during the week. Um, it's just an empty stage. So I want to honor our praise team that does a lot of setup as well. So they're behind me, uh, Brian Boer, Andrew Church, Derek McRae, Janice Church over here, uh, Shree Raven, Amy Brindle, Amanda Lake, Chris Lawson, and Tucker Bethune. Is Tucker here today? It's in college. Okay. Huh? Lynn, ah, she's on my other list. Oh, you're all right. You get to be on both lists, Lynn. All right. Both uh, lists. So let me go into that uh, other list, our media team. These first two, um, I, I want to especially say thank you because they tow our trailer every week as well, um, back and forth, uh, the, the big trailer that you, you see and so they've been uh, very, very helpful uh, in that. And that's Corbin Brewer and Steve Martens. Oh, that's for that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the rest of our media sound team is Lynn Church and Chuck Paul. Uh, uh. And uh, the media team, I mean, it, the rough part is we have to set up this screen every week. And... I can see when we come in, there's kind of this scramble of, we, the, we set the screen here, and then we pretend like we're doing something else very important, hoping, you know, it, it, somebody else ends up having to do it. Um, so praise the Lord, we're not setting up that screen any longer, any longer. It's wonderful. It, there's a final group I like to, to uh, um, recognize, and, and these poor guys, they always get, not always, but sometimes they get stiffed because I feel awkward uh, about uh, honoring my family uh, but uh, in front of you. But really, the truth is, 
they put the signs up and take the signs down every single week. Um, and I said this morning that, uh, I think Sandra and I were talking, and I said, you know, I can't remember more than two times us setting up in the rain in four and a half years uh, here. Oh, unloading the trailer in the rain, I can't remember. Um, but it is amazing how many times it's poured for sign uh, tear down. It's like something happens in that 20-minute period where it lets loose. And, um, and we used to put them up only on Saturdays uh, till some of them were disappearing. And it's amazing it was pouring rain on Saturdays. So um, I just want to recognize uh, uh, my kids, TC, James, and Sierra, which, um, I, I, well, they didn't have a choice. I made them do it. But <laughs> I thank them for doing it. Um, yeah. And then um, he didn't know it, but it became part of the Chinese exchange program, I guess, that Alan Chang had to help the kids. So, Alan, thank you for helping, too. So, yeah. So I know there's a ton more of you that have helped in different capacities. I mean, we, we, we tear down so fast. Um, I want to talk, just highlight one person that after church has been very influential and helpful, and that's in loading the trailer. That's been Mike Gilbert um, tearing down and driving, loading the trailer. Uh, has been very helpful So in that. Yeah. And there's others you that have helped, but uh, these are ones that, that have helped just, just about every week they've been involved. Um, it's been wonderful. So that's good. All right. That's all I have on that. Hey, ushers, uh, why don't you go ahead and we'll take up our, our morning offering so I don't ramble on uh, any, any longer here. Use the envelopes that are on your seat, and then uh, also you can use our, our website, windoverhills.org, if you remember that, and, uh, and give. Last week, like, I shared with you about kind of the need to finish off, and you blew it out of the park as far as our giving. The numbers are in your, in your program this morning. The truth is, we probably need about two more weeks of like that to be on pace building-wise from where we were just behind in the cup of the overages. So, so don't think, hey, we're in the building now. We're done with that part of it. Um, keep giving faithfully on that side. It would be great. So praise team, you got one for us? Finish off? All right, our last song in this school. So why don't you stand and sing it out loud?